Welcome to Seeking Christ in the Scriptures, the teaching and preaching podcast from McConnell Road Baptist Church in Greensboro, North Carolina. My name is Matthew Tilly, and I'm the pastor of McConnell Road Baptist, and we're glad that you've joined us for this podcast. If you'd like to learn more about the church, please visit us online at mcconnellroadbaptist.org. We're going to pick up in verse 32, and I'm going to read all the way down to verse 44. I'm going to ask if you're able to, to stand with me as we read the Lord's words. Uh, We begin in verse 32 of chapter 11, and we'll read down to verse 44. Here's what the scripture tells us. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping which came with her, he groaned in his spirit and was troubled, and said, Where have you laid him? And, th- and said unto him, they said unto him, Lord, come and see. Verse 35, Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. And some of them said, Could not this man, which opened the eyes of the blind, have caused that even this man should not have died? Jesus therefore again groaning in himself cometh to the grave. It was a cave, and a stone lay upon it. Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. Jesus saith unto her, Said said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he had thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto them, Loose him and let him go. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did believed on him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this powerful story of your resurrection, your resurrection power. But Lord, help us to hear and to see that in the midst of the power that you wield, you've not forgotten the humanity uh, humanity and the frailty of our humanity. Lord, we know that you love us and you do care for us. As Brother Josh just saying, We know one thing's for sure, you love us. Absolutely know that. Help us to hear that and to to understand it and appreciate that and ultimately let let it drive us to believe that you love us, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You all can be seated. The, The verse that really weighs on me as I'm thinking about this passage and this thought is verse 35 that Jesus wept. Now, I want you to think about what I'm saying. Why? You say, well, we know that verse. I mean, I know Jude knows that verse. Now, he, that, you ever ask him to memorize a verse, ain't that right, Matt? He wants to, sing, he wants to say Matthew, uh, John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. I know that about my son, because he's my son. That's the shortest verse in the Bible. That's the easy one to remember. And a lot of times we think about it in those terms, but I want you to think about what's actually going on here. It's a simple word, simple, uh, simple sentence, two words, 
The subject is Jesus, God, the God of the universe. Made heaven and earth. In fact, they even say in this passage, I mean, he made blind people see. He, he can do anything. Later on, in his, after he is crucified, he resurrects from the dead. The beginning of time, he made the worlds. He spoke and light and light and the earth and everything that's on it come into existence because of him. So Jesus, God, almighty, omnipotent, all-powerful, full of love, full of justice, full of truth. Everything that is good is in him. That's the subject, Jesus, but the verb is wept. They don't seem to go together, at least not for me. He's crying. I don't know if y'all have ever wept or not. I'm sure some of you have. And I know y'all don't think I do, but I, I, I do weep. It's not that often. Every now and again, something will hit me right. But I remember... I'll just share this with you just to give you an idea of what I'm talking about. When after, right after I accepted the call to, to be your pastor, there was a period there, not long after that, that I, it wasn't because I was uh, in doubt of being your pastor. It wasn't because I thought this was the wrong thing to do. It was just because I just was overwhelmed by the thought of it. I tried to keep it by myself, tried to keep it to myself. But I remember... There was a point where it got really bad and my, my emotions got, got, got the, hold, the hold of me. I was sitting in the, I remember sitting in the parking lot. I pulled into the parking lot of, a, um, of an accountant. The guy does my taxes. And I knew as I was going to be a pastor, I was going to have to do something different with my taxes. That's why I was going to talk to him, get everything straightened out. So I pulled in that parking lot. I was about five minutes early for that. And I remember just breaking down crying. I couldn't explain why. I was just overwhelmed. I just was, just, I didn't know, I couldn't put words to how I felt. I'm only describing that to you, not to make you feel one way or another about me, but I'm just trying to get you to see. Sometimes you and I do that. That's not unusual. Some of y'all may do it more often. Some of you have more reasons. Some of you can actually explain why you're doing it, because I couldn't explain it to me. Because not long after that, I talked to my dad on the phone. I was explaining, man, I just feel something. I don't know, it's overwhelming me. And I started crying with him on the phone. Some of y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. We're human beings. We do that. But go back to our verse. It's not a man cried. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. He is the God of the universe. Isaiah 46 verse 10 tells me that he is the one who is declaring the end from the beginning. From ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. I cry because I don't know about the future. I cry because my body's in pain, and I don't see the relief that's coming. I cry because a friend is no longer my friend, because they're no longer on this earth any longer. I cry for things that I can't control. The one who's crying here, he's in control of everything. So why is he crying? Well, I can tell you that he's weeping not, he's not weeping rather, because these are tears of worry. These are not tears of hopelessness. These are not tears of fear. These are not tears of panic. Now, we cry for those reasons. That's how we cry. That's why we cry a lot of the time. Sadness, loss. He's not crying because of panic or worry or fear. So why is he crying? I want to tell you, and I'm going to give you just a few thoughts from this passage, that he is crying with you. He is crying with you. He is first crying in anger over sin. 
See this in verse, if you go to verse 3, you don't have to turn there, but in verse 3, you can see that he's been called to a sickbed. If you go to verse 6, it says he waited a couple of days. Do you all remember from the passage how many days it said he had been dead? It's four days. I only tell you that because if you do the math on that, it is very likely that Lazarus was actually dead before Jesus ever was receiving word that he was dead. Sometimes we kind of get the wrong impression that maybe because, and this is what Mary thought, Jesus waited too long and then he died. No, it's just as, as a human being perspective that this, this death probably happened well before Jesus was ever notified. I believe Jesus knew before anybody else knew, just so you know. But as far as being notified, I don't think he ever knew about it. But now Jesus knows the end here. He's got it from the end. In fact, even you heard it in his prayer. He's talking to the Lord there in that passage. He's talking to the Father, and he says, Father, he says, you know, you knew I was going, we know this is going to happen. We know what's going to go on here. They, they weren't questioning that. There was never a question between the Son and the Father. They, they knew they were going to raise Lazarus from the dead. But yet, if you go to verse 33 in the text that we, that we just read, when Jesus sees Mary weeping and the Jews weeping, he groaned in his spirit and was troubled. He's just troubled in his soul. Y'all ever felt troubled in your soul? I feel like that way too often. <laughs> just that feeling in your soul, just like your guts all just all crunched up. You don't know, you just, ah. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's frustration, sometimes it's worry, anxiety. In this case, I believe it's, it's frustration, it's anger. That word groaned there in verse 33, he groaned in the spirit. It's actually the kind of word that you might have used if somebody's reprimanding. It's kind of a, it's kind of a, a word of, of censure, of, of correction. He's got this spirit in him. It's like something's not right. It's kind of the, the, the sense that, it, that that word is trying to convey there. And he's troubled. His, his soul is just stirred up within him. And I believe that the reason that this is going on in, in the context here is that the Lord's angry. He's emotional. He's hurt by this situation. If you go to verse 33 there, I mean, these people are crying over Lazarus that's dead and gone. And go down to verse 35, he's weeping. Why is he weeping in this situation? He's weeping because of the impact that sin has. He is standing at a grave because death took another one. I'm always troubled every time I have to give a funeral. I, 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 I'm glad for the opportunity anybody that ever asks me any family that ever asked me to participate in their family's funeral i'm honored to do that so don't give me the, don't get the wrong impression of that honored to do that but it's 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 so angering to me in that there's a person who should be living but for death but for but for the sin curse on this world that it took another one i remember when i had to preach my grandmother's funeral and one of the things you could say about my grandmother, you can say all kinds of things about my grandmother, but it's one of those things where she didn't deserve to die. And I don't believe, there's some people that deserve to die, don't get me wrong, but my grandma was not one of those people. Didn't deserve to die, so you, there was a frustration. Why, why, why? And I believe this is what Jesus is feeling here, that he knows that the wages of sin is death, and he knows that death has taken another one. He's also looking around and all these people are weeping and wailing and they're crying and they're disturbed and he knows that there's so much pain and there's so much fear in those people around him. He's crying over the damage that sin does. Jeremiah talks about how the Lord says, let mine eyes run down with tears night and day 
and let them not cease for the virgin daughter of my people, he's talking about his, his people Israel, is broken with a great breach, with a grievous blow. He's, he's there crying day and night because his people have fallen into sin, because his people are hurt by sin. He cries over unbelief, over faithlessness, which is why the psalmist writes, how often did they grieve him in the desert? Speaking of the Israelites, they were grieving the Lord because they didn't have faith. They didn't trust in him. And the Lord is crying over the penalty of sin. If you go to the Garden of Gethsemane, you've got in Matthew chapter 28, the Lord is, is in the garden and he's praying. And it says there that his soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. Why is he sorrowful? I don't think he's too worried about the pain. I'm sure the pain was, he was a human being. He would have felt the pain. But you know what his real worry was over? What his real concern was over? What was really Tearing, tearing at his soul was the penalty of sin that he was going to have to bear for you and I. The wrath of Almighty God on his own self. That's what he was concerned over. The reason I'm telling you this is because I think we might be wrestling with our sin and I want you to know that the Lord is crying along with you. He's upset about your sin too. So don't feel like you're alone in this. Go ahead, fight that sin. Take the Holy Spirit to fight that, kill that sin. You've got, the, you've got the God of the universe right alongside of you, grieving over that sin with you. Maybe there's a brother or a sister or a family member or a friend that you have that is in sin, and you're crying over their sin. You're grieving. You're praying, God, please save them from this sin. Get them out of that situation. I want you to know that you're not alone in that. The Lord is crying over that sin with you. Maybe you're grieving over a sinful world. You're looking out at your brother, your, your neighbors rather, your neighbors and your people in your community and you say, well, they just need the Lord. The Lord's crying over them too. I, I want you to know that he cares about those things. These are things that literally, as we see here, he wept. He's bringing tears to his eyes. He is crying with you on these things. Jesus wept. He cries in anger over our sin. But now I want you to go down to verse 38. Jesus, therefore, again, groaning in himself, cometh to the grave. That same word, groaning, he's got that sort of gut-wrenching feeling comes back to him as he walks to the grave. He sees the tomb. It's the carved-out cave, and he comes up to it, and that feeling comes back. Now, now, he fully intends to raise Lazarus from the dead, which is why he wants them to roll the stone back. He's not asking them to do that just so that he could smell the aroma of the dead body. That's, he's not like that. He's not doing it so he can go in and visit with Lazarus. He knew better. He's not stupid. He knows that's not what you do four days after this happens. It's not how this works. He's, ra he's rolling that back because he plans to, 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 to raise him from the dead. But, but, but picture in your mind, he is looking now at a friend's grave. We, know, we talked about this morning, him and Mary and Martha, Lazarus, Mary and Martha, they're friends of Jesus. He's looking at his friend's grave. He is, even Martha is reminding him of the damage that sin has done to their, his friend. He said he stinketh by now, four days after this. And he knows this family is grieving. And he's groaning in his soul. He's got this compassion that's just gut-wrenching compassion that's coming up to him because... He knows there's something bigger at work here. He wants them to know, he wants them to know him. 
Uh, go back to verse 4 of chapter 11. I want you to see what he's got. This is what he's got in his mind all the way through the, from the beginning of this. This is this mo- The minute he hears about Lazarus, this is how he thinks about this. Verse 4, chapter 11, verse 4. He says, this is to the, uh, Jesus to the disciples. He says, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. He says, this whole thing is happening so that all of these people will know who I am. And and you say, well, that sounds a little egotistical. Well, it would be if it was me or you. He's the God of the universe. He can shoulder every burden, everything that we've got. He's actually saying, I want them to know that I can help them. It's exactly what we talked about this morning. I'm exactly what they need. I want them to know that. He knows our sorrows. This is the way Jesus is. He knows your pain. He knows your sorrows. Uh, In Isaiah 53, he was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. In other words, there's no pain that you have that he doesn't know about. He feels that pain. He understands that pain. Feeling that pain, understanding that pain only goes so far. I can come up to you and say, well, I feel your pain. And you can say, well, great. Now we're both hurting. That, well, you need some help with that, don't you? Jesus is one who not only knows our pain, but he wants us to know him because he knows our pain and he actually has the fix for it. He has what can solve it. He has so much more for us than a good life. He's got a bigger, bigger thing in mind. I think so many, so many of us think that we want to go to the Lord because we want a better life. We want him to solve something, make us feel better about ourselves. But you see, the Lord has something much even bigger than that. He knows your pain. He loves you in spite of that, and he wants to help you through that. But he's got a plan that's bigger than money, a plan that's bigger than health, a plan that's bigger than life. He wants you to know him, to actually know him. This is what we get to know. And, and, and trying to get across to y'all that you could have every dollar that this world has ever minted. You could have health for the next thousand years. You could live a million lifetimes, but it would be a wasted, empty, useless, hopeless existence if you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what he's offering to them. He's got compassion. He says, I know that they're hurting. I can feel the pain. This is my friend too. I miss him. There's a loss there. He's feeling that. He's compassionate in that. But his compassion doesn't stop with, I feel bad. His compassion goes to the next level to say, I want you to have what's best. And what's best what I'm going to think is best, what you think is best sometimes, it's, it's what I think is best. But God says, it's not really what's best. Because what's most important is that you know me. And sometimes there's some stuff that gets in the way of knowing him. And he might need to take that out of the way. He may, need, he may actually need to, he may need to put us in a position where we need to depend on him a little bit more. And in this case here, he knew that he wanted them to know him, and he knew that it might mean, in fact, in this case it did mean, that Lazarus would have to be in the grave for four days. Now, he's going to come along and raise him up. That He's got a plan. That's what he's doing. But all of that is to show them that this is not about even a man coming back from the grave. That's an interesting thing that gets their attention. 
But this is really about you people knowing the one who has that kind of power. And he's saying, I want you to know me. And he cries in compassion over our pain, but knowing he wants to provide something more for us. I want you to look with me in verse 41. After they take the stone away, he prays to the Father. Verse 42, he's praying to the Father. He says there, I want, I want these people to believe that thou hast sent me. That's what I want you to do. He said, I know you hear me, Father, and I want these people to believe. That's why we're, I know that's why we're doing all this. Then verse 43 says, you know, say, but I think by this point the tears are dried, or at least they're not flowing. But it does say he cried here. Now that word cried, we understand the basic understanding of what that means. That word cried is no longer tears flowing. He's lifting his voice. But nonetheless, he is crying. And he cries out, Lazarus, come forth. He is commanding death to step aside. And he is commanding the man to come back to life. Jesus wins. Jesus wins every time. All the time. I know sometimes it looks like he's losing. Sometimes it feels like he's losing because we think we're on his side and it feels like we're losing, so he's got to be losing. It feels like what they're telling us just can't be true because I believe that God can do better than that. Why isn't he doing better than that? He looks like he's losing. But I want you to know, as the psalmist writes in chapter 30 and verse, verse 5, weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Jesus wins. He always wins. In the long run, he always wins. He may, you may, you may be in the grave, but you will see Jesus if you're his son, if you're son or daughter, if you're in Christ. You may have to go to the grave. You may. It might be sooner than we all want to sign up for. <laughs> but you're going to go. You may well go that way. That may be what happens. But Jesus still wins. Joy will come in the morning when you lift your eyes and you're not on this earth. You'd love to see your family, I'm sure. Your family would love to see you. But instead of seeing your family, you're seeing the most glorious sight that ever was to behold, and that is your Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm, my mind just immediately comes back to Nancy Johnson. Y'all remember her funeral? Or getting to talk to her right before she passed. One, I, one, of, the, one of the people, I mean, there's others that are like this, but I remember when she talked to her, she just had on her mind she was ready to see Jesus. I mean, I, <laughs> I'd say this with them in the room. I mean, it's kind of to the point where, like, are, are you tired of Jimmy? I mean, come on now, you know, J Jimmy Johnson. Are you tired of Jimmy? Because he's like, he's sitting right here. Do you love him? And I, I'm joking about that, but because she was just so much looking forward to see her Savior. She was so looking forward to that. And I can only imagine what she must have felt that morning when she, or that afternoon, whenever it was that she, it was morning, when she opened up her eyes and she wasn't laying in her bed anymore. She was in heaven's glory. I guarantee if you talk to Nancy right now, she'd tell you Jesus wins. And now she'll tell you, yes, she had some pain and a lot of pain in her life. And she endured a lot over those last several years of her life off and on and different treatments and things that she tried to do. And, and if you, in the middle of that circumstance, I guarantee you she would have told you because she said it a few times, you know, she's, she's trusting Jesus, but man, this, you know, sure would like to feel better. 
And I remember her talking like that. She's trusted Jesus, never doubted Jesus, but and I'm sure it was tough. But right now, she'll tell you Jesus wins. Every time, Jesus wins. And I'm using Nancy because she comes to my mind, but I could, there's others that you know, people that you know that are exactly like that, that could give exact stories like that. Because Jesus feels our pain. He was touched by our infirmities, Hebrews tells us, Hebrews 4.15. But he's not just able to feel it, he is powerful to fix it. Both in the short term, as we talked about this morning, he's going to be there to meet your needs right here, right now. But definitely in the long term. He will win. He will fix it. One day he's going to solve everything. I'm reminded of that verse over in Revelation, verse 20, chapter 21. God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. One day we will see Jesus. One day it will be worth it all. One day it's going to happen. One day that will come. But right now, you know what our job is to do? Go look with me in verse 40. Verse 40. He's talking to Martha, and he said, Said I not unto thee, that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. You want Revelation 21, verse 4, to be reality? Your tears wiped away? Man, I'd like that to happen. I'd like no more sorrow, no more pain, no more doubt, no more fears, no more worries. I want that day to happen. You want that day to happen? You better do what he says in verse 40. You better believe. In the Lord Jesus Christ you better believe that he can do that you better believe that he is the only way that he is the only one who can cry out in joy over death cry out in joy because of his victory he has put before him the cross he endured the cross and he did that with joy because he was the one who overcame the cross for us all of this is to say that Jesus knows exactly where you are and he's shedding tears right now with you. If you're crying, he's right, there on your, he's right there beside you. He feels what you're feeling. He knows how you're feeling. He's wrestling that sin with you. He's wrestling that. He's giving you the power of the Spirit. He, he's, taking, he's, he's got compassion over those circumstances that you're working through. He's got compassion. But he's already won the victory. And he's cried out, lifted his voice. Death is no more. Death is defeated. You have a victory in Jesus. But you must believe. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining us for Seeking Christ in the Scriptures, the teaching and preaching podcast from McConnell Road Baptist Church in Greensboro, North Carolina. I'm Pastor Matthew Tilley, and I'm so glad you joined us here. But if you'd like to learn more about the church, please visit us online at mcconnellroadbaptist.org.